you got a Bible, would you turn to the book of Romans, please? And as you're turning there, I want to uh, also just want to say thank you to Tanya for that, that, that uh, kind words in the video. Uh, we'll offer some bacon bits of wisdom from the sermon today. Uh, turkey bacon bits, just kidding, that's a joke. Um, but I do want to say this, I, I want to speak on behalf of, uh, of Deb and, and Travis, and, well obviously myself, and just say thank you, it's a privilege to serve this church. Uh, thank you for um, all that you do, and thank you for this congregation, it's a privilege to be here. Um, so um, also I want to invite you to make sure you stay afterwards for the meal, and just in case if you're thinking, hey I didn't know we're having a meal, it smells really good, I didn't bring anything, still stay, it's okay. Dev volunteered not to eat if you want to stay and eat, okay? <laughs> Amen? All right, there's an inside joke there, but I'm not going to go into it, okay? Uh, but, but, but please stay. We, we'll, we'll dismiss afterwards. We'll have a fellowship time together. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, to being together and uh, eating a meal together. So uh, Romans chapter 16, today's sermon title is called A Name Worth Remembering. And when you get to this part of, the, of a book, um, you have to be reminded that 2 Timothy, Paul writes and says that all Scripture is inspired by God. It is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, even text like today when it's a, a laundry list of names. If you're visiting with us for the first time, and maybe you're, maybe you're with us for the, today and you haven't been with us in this series, uh, I want you to know we, for about several months now, have been walking through this book of Romans, verse by verse, letter by letter, going through it, not skipping even the hard parts. Today we get to the end of this book, and we're going to do a small, a small sermon next week. I didn't say short, I said a smaller sermon next week. And then we're going to end, we're going to end uh, taking the Lord's Supper in two weeks, uh, and kind of celebrating the, the, the culmination of the book together, so keep coming back. Um, but when you get to this, this part of this book, Paul's going to write a, a lot of names down. Uh, and it's important because it would be easy just to kind of skip over it, but we believe by faith in, in this body of Christ that everything in the Bible is designed for us by God. It is inspired by Him, His words to us, the God-breathed scriptures. So even, let's get on the same page, even today when we look at some names, it's profitable for us. So what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to give you some things. I can't cover all the names. Uh, if there's anybody in here maybe having a baby sometime, you're looking for baby names, I know you're locked in, but just listen. We talked about the hallway. There may be some good ones in here. You may change your mind. Um, so I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to read uh, 16 verses. Chapter 16, we're going to go 1 through 16. Bear with me. There are a lot of names. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull five truths, some, some things for us to pull and learn from this. This is a letter from Paul written to real people. And if you've been with us for the series, catch this. He's about to pull the curtain back, and we're going to see a glimpse, kind of as a church body, we're going to see a glimpse of the body of Christ that he's writing to in Rome. Um, so I'm going to mispronounce probably all of them, but just forgive me, okay? Chapter 16, verse 1. As the culmination of this letter, Paul says this, I commend you, your sister Phoebe, a servant of the, of the church of Sencrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a worthy manner of the saints and give her any help that she may need from you. For she has been a great help to me and my people, including myself. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ. They risked their lives for me. Not only for myself, but for the churches and the Gentiles are, are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my relatives, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. They are also in Christ before I was. Verse 8. Bear with me, please. Greet Ampliatus, whom I, love, whom I love in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ and dear friend Statius. 
Greet Apelles, tested and approved. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my relative. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who, who are in the Lord. Greet, I'm going to do my best, Tryphena and Tryphosa. If anybody's having twins, there you go. Those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend, Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me also. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patropus, Hermas, and the brothers of them. Greet Philogus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss, and all of the churches in Christ send their greetings. Let's pray together. If you would, just for a second, interesting text, but there's some good stuff for us today. If you would, uh, take a deep breath, relax for just a moment, um, and in your own heart and your own way, as we go through this text, would you just ask God to do something great, that we can pull truth from this, and that we can learn and grow and be changed, and that I'll pray for us, and we'll move forward. Father, we thank you. Uh, it's a privilege to be here, and it's a privilege to open up our Bibles and to, to look at your word, a, a text that would be often skipped and often just kind of flipped past, but I pray that you would give us some, some time and space today. Father, I just want to say thank you for this corporate gathering. I thank you for the church and this design space and time that you have created for us, the body, to gather. I thank you for those that are here, maybe those that are going to listen online later or right now, that you just bless this time, change us, shape us, mold us. I say it every week. I cannot change anybody in this room. I can't even change myself. But your spirit and your word can. And for those who are willing, would you do just that? Bless us and take care of us. We thank you for this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a, uh, I was about to make a joke about with all those names I spit all over my Bible, but that's okay. Um, there is a movie that I like. It's called Troy. It's, it's, uh, it's, I don't know, maybe about 10, 15 years old. It seems like it's been a, a while back. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it doesn't matter. It's not no spoiler alert. Brad Pitt's in it, and it's, it's, a, it's a, basically a, a movie about this Greek, Greek mythological legendary warrior named Achilles. And, and the opening scene starts where there's a big battle scene. There's two mighty armies. If you know this, you, you'll get this. There's two armies. And, and what these rulers, these kings have decided, hey, let's spare our men and let's just get your, get your best guy and get my best guy and let them fight. The winner takes all and let all these guys go home. And so what happens was is they go and the, the, the Thessalonian army, they come and this is massive monstrosity of a human being. If you've seen it, you know. And then they, they send a little boy because they can't find Achilles. And they send a little boy to go find Achilles and they bring him back and they get the shield. And the little boy says to Achilles as he's getting on his horse, putting on his shield, and he says, that Thessalonian is the biggest man I've ever seen. I wouldn't want to fight him. And Achilles, the character played by Brad Pitt, puts on his helmet, puts on his helmet, excuse me, uh, I said pits on his helmet, see what I did? Puts on his helmet, and he looks at the young boy, and he says, that's why nobody's going to remember your name. And I don't know why I thought about this week, but there's this, this, this understanding to be remembered is to do something great. Even throughout all of history, even former presidents, Theodore Roosevelt said this, never throughout history has a man who lived a life of ease 
left a name worth remembering. And there, there's something about struggle, there's something about doing hard things where men and women and students and young people step up when things are hard and be remembered. I say all of that because the same ideas with Paul's letter to the, to the church at Rome. It's going to go rather quickly. I can't cover all of them. I'm going to pull five things for us to learn today. But Paul's going to write this letter. I think he covers 26 people in this chapter. And he's going to pull from this. But here's the thing that just kept hitting me over and over all this week. These are people that Paul says are worth remembering. He remembered them. He hadn't been to this church. He met some of them, but I'm about to explain it to you. But he writes a, church, a letter to the church, excuse me, and he says, I want you to remember these people. So here's the five categories I'm going to give you that I want you to see as a life that's well-lived, marked by Jesus. Here's the five things. If you're a note-taker, you can write them down. If not, you can just, just pretend like it. A life that is well-lived, a life that's worth remembering, according to this, when he writes to this church in Rome, is a life of selfless, ser- selfless service. We'll talk about Phoebe. Takes risk, Priscilla and Aquila. Hardworking, Mary, that'll be brief, but it's important. Proven and trustworthy with Apelles, And in general, truly loves the people of God. So that's your outline, if you will, if you want to write them down. But the first thing in the first two verses is we're going to look at somebody named Phoebe, who Paul singles out to say, you need to tell her hi. You need to welcome her. Look at this life, and this is for us. All of this is found in Christ Jesus, but it should be markers of us, or could be markers of us, to be worth remembering a life of of selfless service. He says, I commend you, your sister Phoebe. He says, a servant. He uses diakonos, the same word for deacon. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Of the church of Sincrea. I ask you to receive her, welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people, and to give her any help that she needs. Give her whatever she needs. For she has been the benefactor or helper of many people, including me. So there's lots of intriguing things about Phoebe. Paul commends her, recommends her, he brags on her in a culture of the church that women are not highly respected at all. And so he takes the time to single out a woman named Phoebe, uses the term diakonos, which means servant, which we use for deacon, where we come, and he says, hey, she's a servant of the church. He calls her that servant of the church in Sincrea, which is in a seaport in Corinth. There was a church there, and this woman named Phoebe was there, and now she's in Rome, and Paul says, hey, you need to take care of her, remember her. And so a couple of housekeeping things, this diakonos, this sermon, somebody might look at this and say, well, why don't we have women deacons? Why don't we have that? That's the same term. But deacon is a general term as, as opposed to the office of deacon. You might remember, I'm sure you remember, 13, Paul even uses the word servant, diakonos, for the government to say that the government has been instituted. Don't, bear with me, we go back. The government is a servant of the Lord to serve and to, to bring about what he wants to happen. But in this, we see this general term, diakonos, not in 1 Timothy, which is the office of deacon, which we hold to be for men in the church, is a servant, a selfless servant. And scholars agree on this. Now catch this. Scholars unanimously agree. I'm sure there's somebody out there that think that Phoebe is the one that took the official letter of Romans that we didn't have photocopies and transported and carried that letter to Rome. Now, what must you think of somebody to give this scribe letter? Because we're going to, I mean, there's going to be a shout out later to a guy named verse 22. If you look, Tertius, Tertius, however you want to say his name, he was the scribe who wrote it down. He actually says, I wrote this down. And Paul gives this letter to Phoebe, and he trusts her enough to take it there. So he must think something of her. She must have proven herself as trustworthy uh, as a servant. 
And then look at verse 2. He says that she's a benefactor. Now catch this, because this is going to be applicable for so many. He called her a benefactor or a patron. She's financially backed and helped people. Now, I know people in this room that do that. Now, I'm not talking just about tithing. People that, that, whether it be Christian organizations or ministers or missions, you love to support with your finances. And that's what Paul's doing. He says, this selfless servant, Phoebe, who I trust, you need to greet her in a way that's worthy because she's back me and she's back the others. Paul says, give her whatever she needs. It's fascinating. And I think about this, and I, I wonder, as we apply this, about how we, too, can look at this selfless servant, Phoebe. Maybe we, too, can live a life of selfless sacrifice and service because he looked and he singled her out, just like so many I could in this church of people that are serving. Not to get anything out of it, but Paul says, well, you know what, hey, a mark of, of somebody who's worth remembering is somebody who is a servant. So number two is someone, it's going to go quickly today, is somebody who takes risk. He mentions in verses 3 through 4, Priscilla and Aquila. Look at verse 3. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ. This is interesting. They risk their lives for me. Your translation may say they risk their necks for me. Not only I, but for the churches and the Gentiles that are grateful for them. He says, greet also the church that meets in their house. They're having church in their home. And then a guy named Eponidas gets a shout out and says, hey, he was the first convert. It's kind of cool. He is the first convert in the whole province of Asia. I think it's cool. I'm not going to talk about Eponidas, but I think it's cool that he got mentioned as the first person who came to faith in Jesus Christ of all this ministry. Now think of this Priscilla and Aquila, somebody who takes risk, and this is for us, for us to apply to ourselves. In a world that doesn't want to take risk, sometimes we want to step back. In Acts chapter 18, Paul marks this and he says this. Look at this on the screen. After this, Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. There he met a, a Jew named Aquila a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. There you go. Here's why. This is important. Because Claudius, Emperor Claudius, had ordered all of the Jews to leave Rome. He kicked them out. And Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, they had the same profession. They were hard workers. They were workers. They took risks. He stayed and worked with them. Now, help me out here. Paul writes this letter. Priscilla and Aquila got kicked out of Rome. By Claudius. Where are they now? They're back in Rome. He writes this letter to the church in Rome knowing that they're there under the Emperor Nero who killed Christians by sport. And he knows that they're there. He says to welcome them. They were, they were willing to take risk. And here's a couple of things. Look at verse 4. They, they didn't just ride along with Paul. They risked their lives to be a part of what God's doing. They valued the gospel. This is where it's applicable for us. They valued the gospel so much and spreading the gospel above their very own lives, they showed courage and they were worthy of remembrance. There's another time in Acts 18, if you want to today, sometime read Acts 18, where there was a guy named Apollos. He was a preacher. And Priscilla and Aquila showed themselves to be educated, and after Apollos preached, they wouldn't talk to him, and, and he went, and they basically knowed a lot because they spent time with Paul, and they imparted wisdom and said that he did a lot of really good things, but there were some things he didn't really know about. So they imparted wisdom. It took risk to step in faith and have hard conversations. They risked their necks. We don't know exactly, but 1 Corinthians 15 talks about this, about this idea in Ephesus where Paul says he fought the wild beast, about mobs that came after him. Maybe they were with him. Maybe they were in prison with him. Maybe they visited with him. Nonetheless, please make a note, they were risk takers. They stepped out in faith to do something. 
They love people. They love God and they love others. John 15 is what Jesus said. My command is this, love each other as I love you. Greater love has none other than to lay their life down for friends. Now here's the thing, before we move on, I want you to hear this. Jesus did this. Jesus laid his life down so that we might do. But here's these guys, these Priscilla and Aquila, they weren't preachers. Yes, they had a home of church, but they weren't elders or deacons or titles. They were ordinary people willing to step up and step out in courage and risk it all for Jesus. Now, here's the thing. If you're thinking, what about me? What does that mean for you? How does this apply to you as a follower of Christ about taking risks? But here's a laundry list of things. There are times when people of faith step out and they want to have hard talks with people because they love them. Maybe they're willing to show courage and, 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 and maybe start a Bible study. Maybe a women's Bible study, a men's Bible study. Maybe I've never taught Sunday school. I've never done this, but I'm saying, you know what? I'm tired of living in, in fear. I'm going to step in. I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to start something and nobody may show up. Maybe I'm going to go where God's called me to go. I'm going to do something in church. I'm going to start a ministry. Maybe, maybe for Priscilla and Aquila, it's the start of a, a husband and a wife couple thinking, hey, let's do church and do life together as a couple. That's really a, a, an amazing mark of this couple. They did life together and they did service together. I love it when people of faith in the Bible can show us something. And as simple as this, when Paul says, hey, these guys, they took a risk for my sake. Paul says, don't forget them. I want you to welcome them. I want you to tell them hi. I want you, when you receive this letter, to give them the old shout out, if you will. And I want you to welcome them in love. And I can tell you so many times, I could go through a laundry list of stories of people in this church, and maybe the church I came from, and you know it in your life, of people that took risks and stepped out. There may be some of you in this room that came to faith in Christ because somebody stepped out in faith and talked to you about it. Mom or a dad or a grandma, maybe somebody who did a VBS or a Sunday school and did something that they've never done before. I know people that I've talked to that they've never taught Sunday school before, and they're thinking, hey, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. How do I do it? So I just want you to see that to, to, to be remembered, and it's not just about that, but a mark of a, of a Christian that is somebody who's worth remembering is someone who takes risk. That's what Paul says. Remember Priscilla and Aquila. So a life of selfless service, a life that shows that we're willing to take risk, and this quickly one will have one that says it's verse 6, a life that is a hard-working life. Look at verse 6 real quick. This will be fast. He says, greet Mary. He singles her out. There's lots of Marys. We don't know exactly which Mary, but all he says was she worked hard for you, for the church. Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you're serving. You know, this kind of rang true for home. I've been here for 12 years, going on 13 years, and there's many in this room that I could single out and say that are hardworking and serving in the church. I thought about how that would apply to this church if we got a letter to our church, if you will. Hey, bear with me. I know he's not with it. Tell Joe Hall. Tell him hi. He, he worked hard for the church. I, got, I was talking to Charlie this morning. I, tell Danny and Becky hi. They're hard workers. They have served the body. The earmark of Mary was she just worked hard. It was enough for Paul to say, remember them, tell them hi, greet them. A life that's worth remembering, yes, selfless service and takes risk, but also is a hard worker that steps in. And then seven through nine, I'm not going to go through those, but Paul's going to list a lot of different names of just love and courage for people. 
So I just, I just wanted that to be challenged of those who are in the faith, in the body of Christ, to step forward. And maybe a hallmark of our life could be their hard work. Before I go to the fourth, and I thought about this, and you know, these, these, these things I give you, they're, they're just things. It may not be, oh, I can't be all of these, but maybe there's one that you resonate with. Maybe there's one that you kind of step in and be like, I feel like that's where God's gifted me to, I, to serve. I can work hard. Maybe something I need to step in and take a risk on something I've been thinking about, but I've just been scared. Maybe we need to step forward. Maybe it's service and sacrifice. The next one is a life in verse 10 that is proven and trustworthy. These are going to go pretty quickly. Verse 10, he says, Greet Apelles, whose fidelity with Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Paul says Apelles stood the test. He was approved. You might say tried and true. Somebody who's been through, church, been through something that is difficult. I know many in this church that have been through things that are difficult, and I dare not say any names, but I did, I, I've seen people that have gone through the fire and have proved themselves worthy. When people that would go through half of what they've gone through would step back from the faith, but they stepped into it, and they have been the appellus, if you will. Are you with me this morning? You know them. You have people in your life. You know, and I have people in my life, people that have been the appellus. They stood the test. They've been tried, and they've been true. They are living the words of James 1.12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, having stood the test. They will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. For those, maybe if you're, and I need you to hear my heart, maybe some are in the midst of it, and you're like, I don't want to be a pellis. Can I be an honest moment in the room? If you're going through a hard time, and God's going to use that, because I'm a firm believer in Romans 8 that nothing's wasted. When you go through hard times, nothing's wasted. God uses it all, even when it doesn't make sense. Agree with that? I hope so, because Scripture tells us, in life it can be hard. But if there's somebody in this room, maybe you've been through the fire and hard times, and, and God's somehow going to prove that. And on the other side of that, you might be an appellus for somebody who's proven themselves worthy, have stood the test, and you're thinking, I don't want to be appellus. I don't want to be the one that people look to because I've been through the fire and I've been through the trials of life and I've stood the test. I don't want to be that. Just hold fast. Nothing is wasted. God can use all of it. And Lord willing, maybe somebody might look to your name and say, I remember them in Olton. I remember when they went through what they went through. And I could give plenty of examples today. I remember what they went through. And I remember they stood the test. And Paul says, Apelles stood the test. It's proven and trustworthy. That's a life that's worth remembering. That's a life that's going to be marked forever. So we have selfless service, one that takes risk, one that's hardworking, those get-or-done people, and we have one that's marked, tried, and true. And last but not least, in general terms, we're going to see truly loves the people. I'm going to pick a couple out of here. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to pick a couple for time's sake, some that I want to make sure we make a point here. He goes through a laundry list of names, and, and a couple that I want to point out to you is verse 13. Verse 13, he says, greet Rufus. There you go, write that down, Dev. Uh, Rufus, there, there you go. Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Sorry, I'll, I'll leave that alone. Chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me also. Can I just talk, talk about Rufus for just a minute? Other than, I, I, I had a kid in my youth ministry named Rufus, and I thought when he first introduced himself to me, and if y'all know family named Rufus, this is not disrespectful, I just thought he was joking when he told me that. I was like, did you lose a bet? I didn't know, okay? Um, you know, he came up to me, this little junior high boy, and he's like, hey, my name's Rufus. I went, really? Okay, I'm just kidding. But it's a beautiful name, but here's what's cool. Check this out. Rufus came for two reasons. Number one, look at what he says. Rufus, chosen in the Lord. 
Now, we're not talking about salvation of those of us who are the elect, those that are called to salvation, but scholars agree, this is really kind of free stuff, but it's really cool, that in Mark 15, it'll be on the screen, check this out, that a certain man named Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing on his way from his country, and they forced him to carry the cross. You can take this or leave it if you'd like, but a lot of scholars believe, it could be, per se, that Rufus was a child of Simon who carried the cross, who watched his dad pick up the cross. God chose him for that. To witness something, his father pick up a bloody cross that the Savior is carrying. Now, even if that's something that maybe is another Rufus, it could be, you never know. But Paul says that even Rufus's mom, check this out, was a mother to all of us. Don't raise your hand, but anybody, if you grew up in this church, another church, then somebody had a friend's mom, or maybe it was a lady in the church, Sunday school teacher, that just kind of was motherly to everybody. You think about, I think about growing up Sunday school teachers and ladies that people, I was like, man, they just loved everybody. And they were like the church mom. It's like we just kind of raised everybody. We did it together. And I think of this, this is what, what, what Paul's saying. He's like, Rufus is, was a mo- mother to me and mother to others. And it's just a beautiful thing that these, these, these people, through 11 through 16, I cannot go through all of them, but they truly loved the Lord and they were worthy to be noted and mentioned. He says in verse 16, he says, to greet everyone with a holy kiss. That's not something we do in our culture. I mean, you can bring it back if you want, if anyone wants to start that today. Uh, we don't really do that. But it was an affectionate thing. You might do that, maybe kiss a family member on the cheek, maybe your grandparents with your grandkids or your, your spouse. And those are still terms, but not in a, in a general setting. But this is the love and devotion that they have. And Paul says, I want you to greet them, not in a, in a general way, but in an affectionate, family, intimate, loving way. Greet in Christ the Lord's people. Now, as I kind of wrap this up, and, and I want you to think of a couple of things. I was, I was reminded of Romans 12. It's, it's easy to get lost in all these names and try to just think, okay, that's kind of cool. It's kind of just maybe a laundry list of names. But, but I want you to see this. It helps me, even as I preach this, to know that, man, this is a real church, real people that are doing life, struggling, highs and lows. Paul writes this letter. He ends up getting there. He doesn't get there the way he wants to. He gets there in prison, in chains, after being shipwrecked. He does all of this stuff, and he he writes these letters to people that he's seen along the way that he knows are in Rome, and they are worth remembering. And I think about the body. I was was directly taken back to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to wrap this up. He says, "Father, Father, grace given to me, I say to every one of you, even in here in Olton, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather in sober judgment. And in accordance with the faith that's been distributed to each one of us, for just as each has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so we in Christ, church, that are many, we form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. And that jumped out at me because I was thinking about the church. We all got different gifts. We all have different things we can serve, bring to the body. It's the same for Rome. We belong to each other. Our lives are to be marked by Christ. We must love him and love others. Paul, Jesus said this in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. By this, 
everyone will know that you're my disciples. I look at these things, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to be done and do our invitation song. But all of these markers, I want you to see them again. If we can put them back up there, Charlotte, please. Uh, selfless service, takes risk, hardworking, proven and trustworthy, truly loves the people of God. I need you to look at that, and if you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. Every one of those are earmarks of our Savior. Every one of them. Selfless service. Jesus in Philippians 2, he humbled himself as a servant, even unto death on a cross. Talk about taking risk. He risked it all. He knew his fate. He knew what was going on, but he still stepped forward for us. Hardworking by trade, by his efforts, by his ministry, proven and trustworthy without a shadow of doubt, and he truly loved the Father and his people. If we can hear anything other than this, is that we can learn from our Savior, we can learn from these people that we too might have a name worth remembering. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a second, please. For just a moment before we sing our last song, Hymn of Invitation, just every head bow and every eye closed. Before we close, I just want you to think about this. What are you going to be remembered for? Will you be on somebody else's list? If somebody was right a church to the First Baptist Church, Olton, or if you're passing through a part of another body, what might you be known for? In our relationships, in our church, in our community, may we be marked by selfless service. May we take the risk we need. May we work hard. May we prove ourselves trustworthy, tried and true, and truly love the people around us. The catch is, it's not just about being remembered. It's about being like Jesus. I'm going to let the Spirit speak to you for just a minute, and then I'll pray and we'll stand and sing our hymn of invitation. Would you stand as I pray, please? Father, we thank you for the day. Father, we thank you above and beyond for the life of Jesus who embodied all of this. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the word that we can put ourselves against it and see how we too can be remembered. Father, I pray that you meet us where we're at. You stir our hearts. You stir our affections. You challenge us. Maybe convict us in areas that maybe we need to step in. And church, whatever God's bringing to the surface in your life, whatever that may be, just be obedient in that. Step into it. Respond in obedience. Father, above all, just thank you for salvation. Thank you for hope. That we can look to your life and the life of the church, the life of Paul, the life of all those mentioned. And for that, we're thankful. We ask all this in the great name of Jesus. Amen.
We'll sing our hymn invitation. Deb and I will be down here. We'd love to pray with you if we could.